Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the D-Raise Bay Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brett Rutherford, and joining me today is Jared Ward. Jared, what's going on, man? Not much. Happy to be here. Thanks for thanks for having me. Well, the reason you're on is now we, we do have some more Rays news. I know last week, Jim and I took a look around the AL East, but we found out the, who the Rays settled with before arbitration deadline. So... They settled with most of their players that are arbitration eligible, except for Jimmy and Troy and Ryan Yarbrough. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But last month on DRaysBay.com, you put out what I thought was a great article, kind of explaining the arbitration process. What baseball has in arbitration is different than really any other sport in terms of how they pay their players as they get more service time in the league. So why don't you go ahead and, and, and explain for those of people for those people that didn't read the article. Uh, what arbitration is and kind of how a player moves through the arbitration process. Yeah. So the um, arbitration process starts uh, when a player first gets to the league, uh, they are signed or they have a six year uh, service time before they can hit free agency. Which is similar um, to like a rookie contract, right? Yes, yeah, similarly, but it, when the MLB, the first three years are league minimum, which is that rookie contract years. And the next three years are what's called an arbitration process where the player will um, submit a number to the team or to the league saying, I think I deserve to make this much money. And the team will submit another number saying, well, we think they deserve this much money. Um, most In most cases, they will um, settle somewhere in either in the middle or at a midpoint um, but then uh, be some point and sometimes they don't settle on a number and they have to go to a arbitration hearing where a third party, uh, not a judge, but a, just a third party part, a third party will side with either the team or the player. Um, so that's what in the case of G-Man Choi and Ryan Yarbrough, that's what they're going through. Um, and I believe it's their, both their first time going through the arbitration process. Um, and so each player will go through it um, at least three times in some cases, you'll hear a lot of what's called a super two status, where if a player is within the top, uh, I believe, 22% uh, in the league of service time and production, they will go through the arbitration process four times instead of three times. Yeah, and when they go to arbitration, the, the that arbiter cannot just like pick a middle ground. It's either what the player submitted or the team submitted. They can't just say, oh, why don't you guys meet in the middle? That has to be settled before they even get to arbitration, if that's the case. Yeah, and it's only, and there's a multi-step process. So even before the arbitration process begins, the uh, players have to be tendered a contract. So right. you'll, we talked a little bit about that on previous podcasts, the non-tender deadline. Um, but the team will say, okay, we are going to offer you a contract. Um, and then there's an arbitration deadline where both the team and the player have to submit uh, a number based on what they think they should earn uh, in the upcoming year. But yes, when they get to the uh, arbitration hearing, um, the arbiter has to side with either team or player. There's no uh, middle ground. And that's why you see players like Hunter Renfro uh, get designated for assignment because he was in the middle of his arbitration years. And when you're going through arbitration, your salary almost always continues to go up before you can declare free agency. And so the Rays look at a player like Hunter Renfro on their roster and think, okay, is he going to be worth as much as he's going to get either if we settle or if it goes all the way through to arbitration, the Rays decided he wasn't worth the roster spot at that point in time, they can cut him mm -hmm. loose. That's what we saw earlier in the off season. Uh, usually that's because of either there's no roster space for those players 
or no roster space at that price. So we saw a guy like Renfro get DFA. It happened to CJ Crone a few years ago. With mm-hmm. the Rays. And it happens a lot. Like, it's not just the Rays. A lot of teams will do this if a player's coming off a bad year. Or we saw, it was it Blake Trinan that was non-tendered a couple of years ago. The yeah. Dodgers picked him up and he ended up having a pretty good year for them. Pitched really well against the Rays in the World Series. <laughs> um, but yeah, like the Super 2. So now you see players kind of get, the, the biggest example of this is Chris Bryant. There's some good Rays mm-hmm. examples too. But teams will try to manipulate the arbitration process because they know, you know, they've got, pretty much six years of control once these players reach the major leagues they might try to hold them back past a super two deadline so that they can't get that extra arbitration year so that they or so that they can have more control over the players and chris chris bryant's biggest example of that filing agreements against the chicago cubs basically he could have been a free agent already uh, but the cubs kind of manipulated the system but the cubs aren't really to blame the system is, is really to blame there don't you think yeah, I think so. And we see it both with the Super 2 status. Like Willie Adamas, I think, barely missed the cutoff for uh, Super 2 status for this year. Um, so he, he's going to have one more year of his rookie contract, then go through arbitration, I believe, starting next year. Um, and But with Chris Bryant, so there is that Super 2 manipulation. There's also um, service time manipulation. So it's important when we say uh, six years of service time it's not six calendar years it's uh six years uh, in the league um so it'll, you'll see chris bryant they'll delay him bring it up because then six years in the league will actually be a seventh almost right. calendar year um so they get an extra year of control if they delay uh the pro- the player being brought up um and you see it actually with the padres um when tatis jr was crushing it at triple uh, a they said you know, we're not going to try to manipulate his service time. We're just going to bring him up. He deserves to be on the opening day roster. So that's kind of the opposite side of uh, what the Chris Bryant situation was. And that's what makes the fans happy, right? When you see your favorite, pro, you know, these these big prospects that are coming up, you want to see him on the opening day roster. And oftentimes that, that hasn't been the case in recent years, uh, especially with the Rays too. Like that, that needs to be stated. Um, so yeah, very, very good distinction there. Uh, the other, like the other way you can get out of arbitration and we saw it with Blake Snell is you sign them to a contract extension. So all of that Blake Snell contract did was eat up all of his arbitration years. So he, he had a set guaranteed payment between him and the team through all of his arbitration years, plus one year after that. So which would have been his first year that he could have declared for free agency. So just when he signs, when you sign a contract extension, you're basically agreeing for those seasons instead of going to arbitration or debating it every year. Okay. This is what you're going to be paid. So when you see a lot of these extensions, like Blake Snell would have been on the team anyway, or he would have been under team control. He was traded anyways, mm-hmm. but he would have been under team control anyways. But what the Rays did is they might've been able to save money at the back end of those arbitration years, specifically with Nolan Arenado and Francisco Lindor. We've seen arbitration salaries uh, uh, go above $20 million. I believe Lindor's was 22.3 million uh, mm-hmm. that they ended up agreeing on. So if Blake Snell had continued to progress like he did after 2018, some of the salaries he could have garnered in arbitration could have been astronomical and something the Rays really just couldn't afford. So they agree with that, that contract extension, which had him around $10 million a year. They eat up one more year of free agency, which at the time, I think I thought, I think a lot of people thought, okay, this increases the, the timeline before Blake Snell needs to be traded. And then he ends up getting traded yeah. three years on the deal anyways. So that's just one situ- situation. You've seen it with uh, Ronald Acuna. He ate mm-hmm. up all his arbitration years with the Atlanta Braves and then some, his deal was quite a bit longer. Uh, but yeah, the, the Rays specifically 
their players that were arbitration eligible. They had Jose Alvarado, who they ended up trading, Yanni Torinos, G Man Troy, Tyler Glass now, Manuel Margot, Joey Wendell, and Ryan Yarbrough. And we're going to talk specifically about those players and, and what they garnered in arbitration right after this quick commercial break. And we're back on Raise Your Voice talking about the Rays players that hit arbitration. So, Jared, first let's talk about the guys in which they settled with. So, Yanni Torinos, Tyler Glass now, Manuel Margot, and Joey Wendell. Uh, were, were you shocked by what these guys were, were able to get, you know, what, what the team and the player were able to settle on? No, um, not in particular. Um, I believe Tyler Glasnow settled at $4 million uh, for his first, and I believe it was his first time through uh, arbitration. Um, and Joey Window, I think, was $2.1 million. Um, so and not really super surprised by any of them. Um, Tyler Glasnow was a little bit on the higher end. I'm not sure how that's going to play out in his second and third time through um, arbitration. Um, he might start getting more expensive, especially if he – becomes a pitcher that we all know that he can become and that we all know that we, that we all want him to become. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know he's working on a third pitch over the off season. If he, if he becomes that uh, adds that third pitch to the mix and starts, you know, putting up Cy Young uh, numbers, uh, then I can see him becoming uh, pretty expensive in his second and third year. But um, uh, other than that, I don't think there was any, anyone in particular that I was uh, surprised by. Yeah, you know, given the center field situation right now, the Rays have still Kevin Kiermaier on the roster, Manuel Margot and and Brett Phillips. They're paying two of their center field, and Margot can play in left or right field, and he probably will if Kiermaier's still on the team. Um, That's like over like $15 million just for their first two center fielders. That's quite a bit. I don't know, maybe they they can still try to move Kevin Kiermaier. Joey Wendell, though, too, a little over $2 million. He was a guy that I kind of thought might have been non-tendered, or traded before they settled on a, on a salary uh, just because you look at some of the guys that the Rays have coming up, obviously Taylor walls was added to the 40 man roster, Wander Franca. There's still Vidal Brujan who could play infield or maybe even center field. So paying Joey Wendell a little over $2 million. I'm glad he's back. I love Joey Wendell. I love what he did in the postseason. Uh, but that was, you know, I'm glad, very, you know, very good for Joey definitely. And then Yanni Torinos, who's not really going to pitch at all this year at 1.2 million. Um, good for him. He's going to be rehabbing a guy that I think once he comes back, you know, race fans will be like, Oh crap. I forgot that we brought Yanni. We still have Yanni Torinos. It'll be a great yeah. addition to the rotation. Yeah. I think um, Yanni has a, a good amount of big league experience and um, we've seen Yanni when he's on, he is, uh, you know, really, really great with that splitter. Um, and, you know, he, um, I think he will be a welcome addition, especially for kind of a, younger group of pitchers that are coming up uh, through the race system, uh, even between like Brent Honeywell uh, and Shane Boz. And, you know, there's a whole plethora of younger pitchers uh, coming up. Um, so I think he would be a welcome uh, kind of almost, almost veteran like uh, presence in the rotation. Yeah. And again, with the moves, the Rays have made in the rotation, a guy that if he was healthy this year, I'd feel a lot better about the rotation mm-hmm. than I do right now. But there's, again, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but a chance the Rays still go out and add another starter. Uh, but then there were two guys who they uh, didn't settle with, which is fine. Like that happens. It happened with Tommy Pham most recently. But let's start with G-Man Choi. So he is looking for $2.45 million, and the team offered $1.85 million. I think 2.45 is a lot. I'm glad that G-Man Choi asked it. I'm always here for players, you know, trying to secure as much money as they can. But I don't see anyone like picking G-Man, like awarding G-Man Troy at 2.45 
million dollars uh, after the career he's put up. And it's been a great career, but this kind of, again, goes back to like how harsh arbitration can be uh, that the, the team's not going to pull any punches and, and, and G-Man Troy and his representation won't either. How do you see this one ending up for, for G-Man? Uh, like you said, I think two, the $2.4 million is a lot. Um, I love G-Man. I think he's worth it just for the splits and the defensive uh, the defensive prowess he provides at first base. Um, so I think it was hot, uh, just a little on the high side. I don't think it was anything that um, was outrageous. Um, I think the only thing that could be put against them is that he is really kind of a platoon bat. Um, so 2.4 uh, million for a platoon bat isn't, uh, is, is a lot. Um, but I you know, we don't know what happens in these arbitration hearings. So we don't know what kind of evidence that the, uh, that the team's representatives provide or what the, uh, or what the players representatives, uh, provide. Um, we just know that they'll side for one or the other. Um, I'm not sure what the race track record is, but I, I could, um, see that, uh, G man Choi getting the $2.4 million. Cause I don't think it's too outrageous for our first baseman. Yeah, and it's really weird this year more than any year. Obviously, 2020 was weird for a whole bunch of reasons, but G-Man Trilly only played in 42 games, and he was relatively healthy. We have a much smaller sample size to deal with in terms of, of the data that's out there. Uh, G-Man Trilly had a 103 WRC plus this year, 331 on base percentage. He's a good hitter. He was a good, very good first baseman, especially in the postseason, uh, but not really close to the numbers he put up in his last full season with the Rays, 2019, where he had a 121 WRC plus, hit 19 home runs, uh, drove in 63 runs. And it'll be kind of interesting to see how that plays out. Like, could, could Choi and his representation say, like, listen, like, we, he didn't even get a full season last year. You look back at his 2019 numbers and look how solid he was. Yeah, maybe in the eyes of that arbiter, he is going to be worth $2.45 million. And again, I hope he gets it. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, I think the Rays probably have a better chance of sealing that one up. And then the more interesting one, and maybe the most interesting one in all of baseball, is uh, Ryan Yarbrough this year. So Rar- Yarbrough is filed for $3.1 million. The Rays are looking at $2.3 million. Both, I think, are pretty reasonable, and there's a case for both sides, which should make this more interesting. But Ryan Yarbrough, going back to 2018, uh, was kind of the... Him and Yanni Torinos... When the Rays introduced the opener, a lot of people in baseball media and just baseball fans said that the opener was going to hurt guys like Yanni Torinos and Ryan Yarbrough. It was going to pre- prevent them from getting the money they deserved because they weren't going to be treated as starting pitchers. Now, my first thing to say back to that is whether Yarbrough gets $2.3 million in 2021 or $3.1 million, those are reasonable starter dollars first time through arbitration. So that goes completely out the window. But also, like I always said, and Jared, I don't know what your thoughts are, like the implementation of the opener and the the way that Ryan Yarbrough was able to be used as a bulk pitcher or a headliner, that kind of created a job for him that might not have existed if the Rays had went with a traditional rotation. And it really helped him succeed in the big leagues. And now we've seen him be used more as a traditional starter. So, yeah, what, what are your thoughts on kind of the whole Yarbrough situation that we've seen played out? You know, I thought it was really interesting because I was expecting more of a bigger uh, difference in numbers. Um, you know, I think 3.1 million is um, really great for Ryan Yarbrough. I think he is, um, especially in this role, and we kind of even saw it in the in the World Series in the playoffs. He played a, a pretty great role 
um, and the rotation uh, with his kind of soft contact and being able to kind of paint the corners and things like that. He um, he's really kind of blossomed in this role. And you're absolutely right. He is. Um, I don't know if he would have gotten the same opportunity and been uh, been able to kind of play to his strengths if he was in a traditional role. So it did kind of create. But the race number I thought was a lot higher uh, than what I was expecting. I was expecting somewhere in the in around the 1.5, 1.8 million range. Um, so it just kind of shows that the Rays, uh, although don't value him as high as he does, um, which he should try be trying to get as much money as he can. And I hope he gets it kind of same situation with G-Man Choi, um, that he, um, that they did value him higher than, um, than a, a lot of, uh, other starters that we've seen, even just looking through when we, when I wrote my article, I compared him to like, uh, Joe Ross and former Ray, Matt Andrees, and both of them. Uh, Matt Andrees got 920000 in his first year of arbitration, and Joe Ross got only a million dollars in his first year of arbitration. And Ryan Yarber had uh, better numbers overall, um, like a better walk rate, better K rate, better ERA, but just I, that's why I thought it was going to be closer to that million and a half, million, uh, 1.8 uh, number. I don't know about you. I really could see Ryan Yarbrough winning this one at $3.1 million, especially because what the Rays have done this offseason. They've mm-hmm. had a bunch of payroll. And at the end of last season, Ryan Yarbrough was your fourth starter. Now he's your number two starter right behind Tyler Glass now. And the Rays, if they're going to ask that out of him, if they want maybe a, his first 150 inning season, the highest he's thrown is 147 innings. If the Rays want more innings, and with how good of Ryan Yarbrough's pitched, he put up his best ERA this season of his career at 3.56. Uh, in 2019, he was a 2.7 win pitcher. I think there really is a case for Ryan Yarbrough to make $3.1 million. And if he's awarded that, um, that's just a big LOL to all the people that thought the Rays were going to totally hinder Ryan Yarbrough's uh, salary uh, from growing uh, back in 2018. Yeah, and it, and it would just be really funny because, you know, like Jake Odorizzi, who is a bona fide starter, um, has proven himself, got $4.1 million in his first year mm-hmm. of arbitration. So um, it would just be kind of, well, he didn't really su- suppress salaries and, if anything, kind of increased it because I'm sure if we had the, if we were forced to uh, show Ryan Yarbrough as a starter or a reliever, I'm not sure he, I'm not sure if the race would have thrown him in the rotation. It might have just you know, had him, or they, they, they might've, he might've been making less because his numbers wouldn't be as good as if he was in a rotation full time right, instead yeah. of uh, as an opener, as a headliner. Yeah. The Rays have, the Rays have definitely done. I mean, like they've created a career for Ryan Yarbrough. Don't get me wrong. Ryan Yarbrough has done this himself, but he has been, and I believe Austin Ryman wrote about it on the on DRaysBay.com, but he has been the Rays most consistent starter. And you look at the numbers he's put up in three straight years. he, his ERA totals were 391, 413, and 356. His ex-fit 441, 424, 433. And he's accumulated 4.6 wins above replacement in three seasons. And, and obviously 2020 was, was a short one. I'm really excited to see. Like Ryan Yarbrough looking at this Rays roster, I think I'm most excited to see what he can do in another full season where, yeah, he might not start every game, but he's going to play the role of the number two starter in this rotation as things stand. And I mean, I think he's, he's up for the task and it's going to be really fun to see what happens. And I, and I feel like a lot of, like for us at D-Race Bay, we, we always, uh, and a lot of hardcore race fans that watch it every single game and everything know and appreciate Ryan Yarbrough. We, we see the consistency. We, we know we can count on him. I think um, he flies under the radar a little bit on the 
national media and people that casually watch race games. Um, but, you know, Ryan Yarbrough is, is, I think, our number two starter. And I'm, I agree with you 100%. I can't wait to see what he does uh, in 2021 because I think he's going to uh, hopefully surprise a lot more people. Yeah, definitely. He's like our left-handed uh, Kyle Hendricks that the Chicago Cubs. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. And he's been very, very good. So now that we've wrapped up talking about Rays players, uh, I do kind of want to talk about how the Rays can continue to add to this roster uh, because they're out without Charlie Morton. They're without Blake Snell. Can they still add to the starting rotation? Corey Kluber just signed with the Yankees one year, $11 million dollars. That kind of solidifies where the market is at. We saw Robbie Ray get $8 million. We saw Drew Smiley get $11 million. Corey Kluber get $11 million. There are still some pitchers out there, but for what they're going to cost, Jared, like, do you think the Rays, one, do you think the Rays are actively looking? And two, like, where, where do you think they can add? Because I don't know. I think it's going to be tough given the prices we've seen other pitchers get. Yeah, I think um, I I think they were in on uh, uh, Corey Kluber. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, um, especially because originally I heard five to six million dollars for Corey Kluber, which I thought was a very raised price um, to add kind of that uh, veteran starter. But at ten or eleven million, I think it was just out of their price range. Um, so I do think they're going to bring somebody uh, somebody in. Um, I think it'll be great for those younger pitchers, um, especially losing uh, two veteran presences like uh, Blake Snell and Charlie Morton, just having somebody else in there to help kind of bridge the gap between the younger starters um, and the people coming through the farm and the, um, the, the already established starters. So I, th- I think that um, they could definitely add somebody. I, you know, um, our own uh, Brian wrote about Chris Archer reunion. You know, we talked about a lot on the podcast. I still love that. Love that idea of, of having him back on the team. Um, even just looking through, uh, obviously, Trevor Bauer. Out of the question, unless the Rays just go crazy, you know, blow baseball out of the water and say, Trevor Bauer, one year, $30 million. Who says no? You know? <laughs> I mean, he, I, it's, it's not going to happen. They're not going to get Bauer. But, it's not going to happen. <laughs> but, In my dream world. <laughs> I would love it. <laughs> I, I do um, think that, like, if Bauer, if he doesn't get the four or five-year contract that he's looking for, he could say, all right, let's go one more year. Let's reset the market. Let me see what I can do with the Rays because they have a great track record of developing pitchers. He doesn't really need to develop anymore. The Rays might even let him throw every fourth day. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm saying it's not going to happen, but if it were to happen, like, the, the Rays would be a perfect fit in terms of pitching. And, and, I, and I think the Rays – we're also in on uh, Martin Perez before right. uh, the, he signed with the Red Sox. I'm not sure I could be misquoting there, but uh, Martin Perez for one year, $5 million. Jake or Jake Odorizzi is still out there on the market. I don't know. And if I was Jake's team, I'm not sure if I would be looking for a one-year deal. Um, you know, But if he's open to a one-year deal and reuniting with the team, um, I, I could. And I'd be willing to pay, I think, one year, $10 million, one year, $8 million for Jake Odorizzi. What do you think? I, I yeah I would too I think he might get more though given what we've seen yeah, all these other pitchers so. get like Odorizzi he had a really good, he's, he had a good time in Minnesota he was pitching really well he could get more than that the other guys I mean I, I keep going back to Chris Archer it's something that I just want to see happen Odorizzi would be fun too uh, James Paxton like we've mm-hmm. mentioned his name quite a bit I like like you said like how much is he going to cost probably mm-hmm. not what the Rays are willing to pay. Uh, even with all the all the salary that they've shed, uh, Garrett Richards is another interesting name from San Diego. 
Uh, Rick Porcello, maybe in a similar vein to the Michael Walker, like take a flyer on a guy. You want to get him really cheap because uh, you're not really sure what Rick Porcello is at this point. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the Rays are going to try. But still, at the same time, it's not something I want them to just sign someone just to sign someone. I still like the rotation. I don't know about you. I, I like it. You've got Glass now, Yarbrough, Waka. Fleming, maybe Brent Honeywell at some point, maybe Brendan McKay ends up being okay and healthy and you can get him back into the rotation, but I don't want them to force it and then bring in a free agent that ends up, you know, being a replacement level player. Yeah. And I, I kind of feel the same way. Um, I've seen a lot of great uh, discussions on uh, Twitter and things of kind of going back and forth of, uh, you know, we have a, a pretty solid rotation. Um, it's obviously worse than it was last year, but, all things considered, it's, you know, a lot of uh, players coming up through the uh, through the system, through the farm systems are getting them their experience. So even just as you said, you know, it's Waka, Glasnow, Yarborough, Fleming, uh, McKay, McClanahan. Um, McClanahan, like, you know, there's there's a lot of a lot of players that we could fill a rotation. Oh, and Trevor Richards. Uh, but I also have seen our yep, and worst <laughs> The worst we've seen great bullpen days from the Rays to fill in that uh, that fifth rotation spot. Uh, but for the um, you know, I also could see them bring in somebody, and even if it's out of their price range, it could feel like it's a quality arm that's you know that's worth it. I don't know um, how they think of like Jose Quintana, uh, what he looks like, if he might be worth that you know one eight to eleven million. Um, we still talked about James Paxton. I could totally see that happening as well. Um, I would personally love to see Masahiro Tanaka because I was actually a huge fan of him when he was played uh, played on the Yankees. I hated when he played pitched against the Rays because he was always so good against us. Um, <laughs> but he's a uh, kind of a, a great pitcher. I again don't think he's going to settle for that ten to eleven million. He's obviously going to be looking for a multi year deal. Deal. Um, but I would I think if the Rays are going to splurge on a on a starting pitcher, I could see him being if they believe in his health, believe in his. Uh, I think he had a partial uh, tear. Um, but if they believe in that health, then, you know, going for it. Yeah, Tanaka would be an interesting one. I've heard some reporting that if he doesn't get the deal he wants or if the Yankees don't want to resign, he's going to go back and pitch in Japan. Uh, more power to him. Yeah, I'm, I have questions about his health, but I think he's a very interesting pitcher. And who knows? The Rays still have the number one farm system. They have a lot of prospect capital. Maybe they go out and make a trade. I predicted Lance Lynn. Obviously, that was not on the cards. But who knows? There are other pitchers out there with a year or two of team control that the Rays might try to move some of that prospect capital and, and, and try to add to the rotation. And I got to say, I feel I feel bad for Trevor Richards. Every time we've talked about the potential rotation on this podcast, no matter who's <laughs> on, we always forget him when we first list off the player. I think that's Danny probably brainwashing us in his hate of Trevor <laughs> Richards. He doesn't actually hate Trevor Richards, but uh, we got we to gotta re- keep remembering Trevor Richards' name, definitely. Yes. He's going he's gonna to get Eddings with the Rays this year. And probably yes. some pretty good Eddings, too, so... Jared, I know this is a pretty short episode, but but thank you for coming on, man. And uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, G-Man Troy and Ryan Yarbrough. Yes, thanks for having me. And I hope both those players get the money that they deserve. Definitely, definitely. So that's going to do it for this week's episode of Raise Your Voice. Thank you guys for listening. If you want all episodes from the D-Raise Bay Podcast Network to be downloaded directly to your device, make sure to subscribe to our podcast feed. You'll get episodes of this show and the hit show. And as always, make sure to head on over to DRaysBay.com to check out all of the great off-season coverage. Um, attached to the front page is Jared's piece on arbitration if you want another uh, explainer on there. And once again, thank you guys for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.